0: Thumbs rejoice. It's the Bob Olin Show brought to you by Dance Garden Center. Located in Dan's Feedback in Superior. The WLS SD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig. now KDAL's master gardener, Bob Olin. All right, we are into August already. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, good morning, Dave. Uh Beautiful, beautiful morning in the Northland, isn't it? It really is. Uh, Not a lot of sunshine. we got rain on the way if you need some more water on your plants. Uh, We had about an inch or so in some spots uh, a couple of days ago.
1: Yes, we did. This is what's been such a surprise. And a lot of the moisture has actually been focused uh, just a little bit to the north. You just get down south a little bit of the, of our listing area or in the southern part of our listing area, and they haven't had this, and down around the Twin Cities has been pretty dry. It's kind of interesting, uh, you know, we were talking all season about expecting a, a dry, warm Uh, Summer. They're getting that just a little farther south. It's remarkable. Some of these patterns have come into the north. Our landscapes for July are beautiful. I don't know if you have the rainfall uh, figures for the month or for the month of July. Do you,
0: uh, Dave? I don't for the month, no.
1: Okay, well, maybe we'll take a little look at that. But I know it's been strong. That's traditionally been our driest month. We've had good moisture. Mm and uh it's reflected in the quality of our landscapes and also these cooler temperatures which we don't expect they of course rest of the country's uh, we're getting kind of a break there definitely is this uh, climate refuge that they're talking about quite an interesting year it is kind of it's interesting looking at the landscapes they're lush they're green uh it has set things back just a little bit i look and get uh, some of the fruit crops raspberries has been remarkably good uh, this year. Now, we've had over the last uh, several years a problem with this very small, minute fruit fly called the spotted ring Drosophila, and just not a problem for us. Came from China, one of those Chinese imports we could do without, but uh, very difficult to control. It basically eliminated the pick your own raspberry industry as well as pre pick in St. Louis County here. Uh, the, the individuals that were involved with that enterprise after multiple years of trying to control the spotted wing drosophila which gives you a little white larvae on the fruit and the, and the adult just lays the eggs when the fruits very very ripe so it becomes a real challenge to control without the use of a uh, a very broad insecticide program so many of our uh, growers most of them as a matter of fact uh, gave up on the raspberry crop home crops are great uh... once again this year we didn't see the spotted wing drosophila last year uh... i've not seen a lot of it uh, this year it's kind of remarkable. We've got entomologists kind of scratching their head and wondering, uh, is this just a temporary phenomenon? Is it just in the Midwest because it is swept across the entire country in our major fruit production regions? Or is this something uh, that's just temporary? Or maybe you, uh, we can get back and get that raspberry Industry reestablished here in the in the north uh, Northland, Dave. So that's been an interesting development. I think the blueberry crops a little behind. We have had snow cover, so the wild berries I know are going to be coming, but they've been a little slow. I think that may set everything back. I think that a lot of our warm season crops. Cool day again today. Cool evenings. Uh, they're a little slow in developing as well, but they're going to be great when they get here. And I'm confident uh, that they'll. They'll be just around the corner, Dave.
0: Very good. Now, how about uh, other berries? This uh, nasty bug at those too, like strawberries.
1: Well, uh, it's really good question. This this is and this is a nasty bug. It, it tends to uh, focus on any ripe fruit, and again, oh. the challenge is uh, it will attack that fruit, and the, the eggs get deposited right when it's perfectly ripe. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult. you got to control the insect using insecticides. You've got a waiting period. So by the time you control the insect, uh, the quality of the fruits diminish significantly when you're through the waiting period. So this has been the real challenge for the uh, commercial grower. I tell people, and I think it's always good advice, uh, just pick and then either consume, uh, freeze, or process. Uh, all the fruit on raspberries should be picked Within two days, you wait the third day, and this infection or the infestation can manifest itself, reveal itself. The larvae germinate, so pick within every two days, and then either consume or process or freeze or refrigerate. All these really hold back. So if there are eggs there, they don't germinate. So that's kind of the solution for the homeowner. Very difficult to do that commercially on that kind of a schedule. So that's been uh, part of the difficulty that our pick-your-own people have had as well. So. Uh, also, the other thing is clean up all fruit anything that hits the ground we don't want uh we certainly don't want this population to begin to grow and develop but it was a it really took down the major uh, major industry for us. We had a lot of pick your own raspberry producers it's a great crop it's a great northland crop you can't grow raspberries uh, south of about southern Iowa. they just really are a north crop and uh they were extremely. Uh, wonderful forests in this area. Again, once again, this year's crop uh, backyard plots. Uh, those that I've got in in uh, my backyard are really uh, pretty good this year. Uh, the fruit's been excellent. I've not seen spotted wing drosophila, so uh, that's been good. It will attack other other crops as well, Dave. It okay. will attack the strawberry crop just when it's very ripe. Uh, well, uh, most uh, fruit crops are somewhat vulnerable. But for some reason, they want to attack and deposit those eggs on those little droplets that are part of that raspberry uh, fruit. And when those get real ripe and uh, they're very attractive because they're bright red, uh, this particular fruit fly does target that. So raspberries has been the most difficult crop that we've had uh, with this particular pest. But it will attack it Will attack some blueberries. It will attack some of those strawberries. But those are a little earlier in the year. And uh, uh, this this is a an insect that manifests itself. Uh, its life cycle is really very intense as we get into raspberry picking time. So it's a combination of the color and uh, the fact we've got very ripe soft-skinned droplets that make the raspberry crop much more vulnerable to this pest. But this may be two years in a row when we've slipped through this, and I will have to get in touch with some entomologists in the Midwest uh, throughout our major graduate universities and see what they're making of this if this is just a temporary phenomenon if they're seeing it throughout the region we may again because of our cooler temperatures maybe we have uh, slipped by maybe a little farther south where it's been warmer they're still having this problem but uh, i'll have to give you a little update in the future so mm-hmm. far this is all good raspberries are great as i mentioned a couple of the other fruit crops are behind but they should be uh, should be good this year as well dave
0: it is uh, well getting into August already, so imagine there's some harvesting of things going on, and the the uh, farmers market to be full of stuff by this weekend.
1: Yeah, by this weekend, uh, the farmers market we're going to be we're going to have a lot of product coming in. Um, you know, again, everything is just a little low. Uh, no. uh, main season uh, green bean crops. I'm looking at that. We had some that came in very early because uh, they were planted and. Uh, warmer areas, uh, maybe on uh, light sandy soils, but that crop's going to start to come in. The main crop's going to come. Cukes are beginning to come. Uh, A lot of good zucchini and squash. Uh, Everything's beginning to come. A little slow tomatoes, a few tomatoes beginning to show up, but uh, that, again, is a little bit of a challenge because of the cooler season. But uh, this Wednesday, uh, 2 to 5, 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street, there'll be a lot of product there. This Saturday, uh, of course, there'll be more product 8 till noon. And then uh, we've got National Farmers Market uh, Week being celebrated the next week oh. so on August 13th. So that will be a highlight. We're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of festivity going on there, and uh, a lot of things to sample. And once again, at the Ville Farmers Market, we kind of uh, are really family-focused. Uh, we do have this uh, wonderful promotion where uh, kids get a, a produce token worth $2 that the, any any. Uh, young person from an infant on up. If you have an infant, bring them in. Mom gets it, or other than that, we want to encourage the young people to spend that token or use it uh, for fresh produce at any one of the produce stands. Very well received. Uh, very fun, uh, family-friendly environment. We've always got music on the Saturdays and the weekends. Great uh, um, festive atmosphere. And on August 13th, it'll really be a great day, Dave.
0: How's your uh, corn doing this year, Bob? Well, <laughs> It's stretching. It's coming. Yeah. Good. It, uh, yeah, we've had
1: moisture. It's cooler. So, again, mm-hmm. it'll be delayed a little bit. But, nonetheless, it's uh, it's getting there. So all our warm season <laughs> crops field run are, are a little bit behind. But, nonetheless, right. they're coming, Dave.
0: All right. Good enough. We'll take a first break. It's 925. The morning show continues with the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. And we are back, more of the Bob Olin Show. Bob, uh, we're kind of in the middle of the uh, country where we've got uh, drought going on to the west and heavy rains in Kentucky and other places, uh, leaving flooding situations. I guess we're kind of almost normal, a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, we are very, very, very fortunate because you're right. Very hot and dry in some locations. It seems like the moisture... Uh, could have been more evenly distributed as yeah. being deposited in southeast. We're, we're getting kind of a nice combination. We've got a beautiful... Mm. Thing. You, went, uh, you said we got some rain in the forecast for this afternoon?
0: Do yeah, we? more chances of uh, sprinkles and thunderstorms this afternoon and uh, showers and boomers again tonight. Some of them could be severe. They're kind of iffy on that, at this point. But And then sunny skies again tomorrow.
1: Boy, that's perfect. Yeah, when we don't have that real intense heat accumulation, hopefully we don't get the storms to certainly come from that. Uh, we've been very fortunate. Landscapes are lush and green, and I know our sponsors, uh, one of whom has a uh, has a collection of nursery stock. Uh, we typically don't plant in July, but uh, we had a major planting project. I'm involved with a, a wonderful community event with the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, where we have a, a local family that had requested a, a nature trail and orchard for their a uh, young daughter uh, who is, has a disability, and uh, we had a great community event put in a major orchard. Uh, got everything planted on Sunday, and then we had the rain that followed it up. So uh, we had twenty-five or thirty volunteers and their families out that helped with this major Make-a-Wish effort. So uh, congratulations to all of them, and I think that uh, the skies opened up. Uh, well, we we all got a little wet toward the end of the day there, but. Uh, we got everything in and established and had some rain. We got some more coming, so I think that's very good. So people might consider, you know, we, uh, the number one time to really plant uh, nursery stock, if we had a choice, would be uh, very early in the spring. Uh, this year, didn't much choice. It was so cold for so long, but uh, then we kind of delay until temperatures cool off into early September. Now we're early August. Temperatures are cool. Uh, we've had adequate moisture, so I think uh, if people want to do some fall planting, we might move that up a little bit. Mm. Have have the hose ready to go. Typically, we don't recommend it this time of year because of the intense heat we often get in dry conditions. But this is different, and um, that's the reason I moved up the schedule a little bit on our fall planning for this uh, orchard for the acreage folks. Uh, but. Uh, I thought we'd like to get uh, trees and shrubs established, all our woody ornamentals, as well as edibles. We'd like to get them established uh, well before we come into the winter. So, if people have fall planting, and this can all change, we know how the weather changes. It could get hot, dry at us yet, but uh, we've got moisture in the soil. I think we can move that fall planting schedule uh, up here uh, three, four weeks, Dave, and and get started early, which is going to be very beneficial. Uh, for the plants you put in the ground. So right. good year good overall, good planting conditions. Uh, we are very, very fortunate uh, compared to what the rest of the country's experiencing, and Europe's experiencing some real difficulties as well, where it's very hot and dry. So wow. we're very fortunate here.
0: Yes, certainly are. Uh, that, of course, keeps the threat of fires down, too, and you get the amount of rain that we've had, and they're certainly experiencing fires, too, in California. In fact, the entire western part of the U.S. has issues with forest fires again.
1: Yeah, that's an issue. I don't know how the Canadian, you know, we all look at the the cost of lumber, the cost of construction. Mm-hmm. There's need for uh, uh, certainly more housing in in our country and in Canada as well. And uh, to have these massive fires, which take down a lot of the available lumber and access and so forth, uh, they're very devastating. So, But once again, not impacting us, not impacting mm-hmm. up in Ontario where a lot of our saw lumber comes from. And uh, so we're, once again, very fortunate here in the upper Midwest.
0: All right, we'll take another break. It's the Bob Bolin Show here on KDAL. All right, we're back. Bob Bolin Show here on KDAL. We're at 934 now. Uh, Apple's getting bigger and bigger as we go along here, uh, Bob. Hopefully they'll be ready to pick by October anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they might be getting delayed just a little bit. I know you've got a Harrelson, which... uh, you cherish make good use of and uh david's been very generous He's shared a lot of these wonderful apples with his neighbors and with uh, folks down there at the station myself
0: included so and the deer that. don't forget about the deer they get their share yeah,
1: they get their share oh. and uh we don't want to talk too much about deer i had to <laughs> had the call the other day someone had just put Uh-oh. two new honey crisp in and uh didn't have them protected they thought they could wait till the morning to fence them off and the deer oh, no. both of them and they were not inexpensive trees so uh, we did this this orchard we put in uh, I absolutely insisted that everything was protected so you have to you're going to purchase your trees high quality stock they're never they're not inexpensive there's kind of a shortage there's been so much interest <laughs> and you know uh... An apple tree, what you buy from a nursery, may already be seven or eight years old. So yeah. seven or eight years ago, uh, uh, years ago, they had to plan on what they thought the demand would be right now. They didn't see the <laughs> pandemic, of course, coming, and then this renewed interest in growing your own uh, uh, folks, more folks being at home wanting to put an uh, edible tree or two in the ground. And uh, consequently, there's been a shortage of a lot of quality stock. But if you find quality stock out there, it's not going to be inexpensive and you want to take good care of it and deer protection as you see is going to be absolutely essential good fence around there good protection of the main bark with a uh, some drainage tile or some kind of a, a plastic tube around that main stem so we don't want folks to lose uh... some of those valuable trees that they put it uh, certainly put in the ground but uh... that being said uh... i think again that uh, there is a nice opportunity to uh... to put some of this stock in the ground a little earlier Dave, I did want to mention, uh, we are seeing, and I'm seeing it on my trees for the first time ever, uh, some fire blight. I've gotten a lot of samples from people, and this is a disease. It's, it's a little different. Most of our diseases are fungal, and that's the other thing that's kind of interesting. Because we're drying plant material down, we haven't seen a lot of fungal disease. We're not seeing a lot of early blight, septoria leaf spot on, on our tomato crop yet uh... hopefully it doesn't occur this year and that's basically because the way we're getting the rain we're getting enough moisture but we're drying things down in between so most fungal disease now you've got spores that get kicked out they have to have a moist condition on the leaf surface for at least twenty four to forty eight hours to germinate if they dry down in the meantime like we're drying down this morning going to get a little rain going to dry down tomorrow uh... that's perfect we get the moisture And yet we don't have conditions that are conducive for fungal disease. That being said, uh, our fire blight that we're seeing on the apple trees, I don't know exactly why. I guess I'm going to have to take a a deeper dive into the the nature of that particular disease. But we are seeing uh, a fair amount of fire blight. Fire blight is... uh, something that can be very disdaining. It is bacterial, as I say, so stay away from any, any of the uh, fungal treatments that might be out there. They're going to have no effect. As a matter of fact, my experience with some of the antibiotics, I haven't had any effect there either. So um, We are seeing more of that this year uh, than I've seen in the past. It's the type of thing where, uh, let me give you, let me describe the classic symptoms. You might even want to take a look at your tree there, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got an area that the, 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 the the common name fire blight comes from the fact that it looks almost as if a branch or two has been flamed off. In other words, they're brown, they're crispy. And then we've got this classic, on these flamed off branches, we've got this classic shepherd's crook out of pen Those are classic fire blight symptoms, and I'm seeing the classic symptoms on my trees. I'm seeing it on many of the samples that people have brought to me at different uh, different times. So, um again this is a systemic bacterial disease it can it will slow the tree's growth down if it's real severe it will kill a tree so it's it's just something that commercially the commercial industry just really fears because it's difficult to control for the homeowner you see these symptoms you see a branch or two you're going to get in there first you're going to line up a good pruning shears and then you're going to get some isopropyl alcohol uh, you know, that's wood alcohol, rubbing alcohol. We're not going to use uh, that leftover stale beer from the weekend picnic. <laughs> Different kind of alcohol. Uh, but uh, you, you want to make sure you've got some of that available that you can dip your pruning shears in. So you're going to mm. make several cuts. We don't want to spread it around. That's a risky oh. run. If you run. If you don't sanitize your pruning shears between cuts, you can do more harm than good. So you're going to take a look at where that branch is. And where the infection stops, where those brown leaves stops, and then you want to work your way back toward the main stem at least 12 inches, because once again, that that bacterium's in the in the vascular tissue, and it's working its way through the rest of the tree. So generally, we don't advise a lot of uh, summer pruning. In this case, uh, you're going to. Uh, I would strongly advise. I'm going to do it myself. Where you, you've got to prune up some of these branches that are infected, or it can spread the entire tree. You make that cut 12 inches below where you see the infection. Uh, you're going to go back to a main stem. Uh, you're going to make your pruning cut, and then you're going to dip the pruning shears. Uh, let them sit down in that uh, small bucket of. Of uh, uh... rubbing alcohol that you've got there, and make sure you get that that shears good and clean sanitized sanitized uh, before you make your next cut. But this is a situation where I really think there's some a need for people to get out, take a little look. An apple tree can last 40 or 50 or 60 years if it's productive, but this is the one thing that and deer, I guess, are the two things that can really shorten the life of uh, of an apple. Apples, pears, uh, mountain ash. We're seeing the same symptoms now. Mountain ash is a different family—that's Sorbus, as opposed to Malus with the apples. But nonetheless, mountain ash is extremely vulnerable. Uh, any any woody in the um, in the rose family. So some of our our hybrid uh, hybrid uh, winter roses or uh, our blooming roses, are winter hardy uh climbing roses are also vulnerable to this so you may want to take a look at all these species mountain ash apple rose and see if you've got the same kind of symptoms what's in the the treatment that i would recommend is is pruning out the infection trying to stop the infection i don't i've not had success with the antibiotics and i won't mention some of the name brands but they push a lot of these antibiotics they have to go on very early and when i've tried them it has not stopped the infection uh, uh, effective pruning, I think, is going to be your best option. Make sure again you sanitize between cuts.
0: Oh, well, your tree might look a little funny, I guess, with all the branches <laughs> gone in one spot. But
1: well, that may be the case, yeah. but at least it's going to be alive. Well, and, true. Uh, so uh, people should get out and take a look. I've seen a lot of it this year. I don't know why exactly, uh, where this infection's come from. Everything's just a little different. Some of it oftentimes is related to the type of growing season we're having, uh, moisture, sunlight, and other things. So very little uh, fungal disease, uh, this problem with bacterial disease on uh, on the woodies this year. All
0: right, I will check the tree when I get home, just there to be we go, sure. Dave. We're at 942. I'll take another break. Back soon with the Bob Olin Show. And we're back for more of the Bob Olin Show, 945 now on this Tuesday morning. Bob, we hear a lot about apple trees, but my grandparents used to have a plum tree. Are they still popular?
1: Yeah, I think overlooked a little bit. We've got some yeah. nice plum varieties, plums and pears. I think people oh. uh, jump right to the apples, and we've got some wonderful pears. We've put a few in the orchard here, the Make-A-Wish orchard. Right. And uh, we're going to be trialing a few of those as well, but uh, we've got some good, hearty Gold Spice is one that comes to mind. These are wonderful, hmm. wonderful fruits. Uh, people overlook uh, the pear crop, and we've got some wonderful. They want to plant apricots. and They want to plant uh, <laughs> peaches. And, you know, we've got a few introductions that are reasonably hardy, uh, but uh, those really are, are Georgia crops. Yeah. And uh, we really want to kind of focus. But pears and plums, I think, Dave, right. you're absolutely right. Uh, they've been overlooked, and they can be marvelous uh, fruit crops as well.
0: I know the neighbors have a cherry tree. That's uh, something you can do too, I imagine.
1: Cherries, another one, and oh. uh, we want to we want to be conscious and very careful of because uh, we are cold. This is still uh. a cold climate, and uh, we have got to get them through the winter. So I think that. Uh, we want to be very conscious of of varieties, fruit varieties, and I do put together a recommended fruit lists. It's available mm-hmm. through St. Louis County Extension, where we do highlight some of the cherry varieties pear, and apple varieties for folks. And um, always looking—that's why this other orchard we put in. We'll be trying a number of new materials. Uh, many of them would come in from Canada. I like to source uh, some of that product because. Uh, our climate's a little bit closer to the Canadian climate than it is to the uh Chicago or Illinois climate or Minneapolis St Paul climate so we like to look at some of those things but you just call the uh, contact St. Louis county extension office uh 733 and ask them about the fruit variety list before you uh before you purchase uh if you're going to your local gr- uh, nurseries uh got some very well informed some great folks working there in the green industry and they're knowledgeable if you're going to run the risk of buying of a big box outlet, oftentimes we've got uh, materials that aren't really appropriate for this area. So, you've got to be a little careful what you put in the ground. We got to get yeah. into the winter. Uh, we have a still a very very cold winter. But cherries, you're right. Uh, certainly, Masabi, North Star, uh, Bali, Evans. Uh, these are these are cherry varieties that we know grow in this area. They're not going to be the the sweet Bing trees, which really do require uh warmer milder conditions that's why their their focal point is off the shores of Lake Michigan in 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 Michigan and uh but we are going to have some great um, these are wonderful uh fruit uh, wonderful uh, cherries for eating as well as for for pies and and processing so we've got some the potential for great cherries but uh look for your smaller pin cherries and then uh don't expect the big type of cherry but nonetheless um they're very very good And if you get the right varieties, they are going to be winter-hardy for you, Dave.
0: All right, back to the phones now. Hi, who's this? This is Patty from Port Wayne. Hi there. Hello, Patty. Hi. Have you talked about potato bugs and how to treat them? Our
1: farm is not
0: organic.
1: Potato bugs, they're having a great year. They're having a great year because we had uh, that early snow cover that's been there. Uh, adult life down in the soil they emerge uh, very early and there wasn't any frost penetration so the populations are extremely high you know this is one of those things for the homeowner I just don't have a real good remedy on, uh, other than just pick as many as you possibly can I can remember on the farm my grandfather I think we got paid a nickel or probably back then a penny or something for every quart of, of Colorado potato beetles that we happened to pick off uh, There are, um, you know, there are beetle, and you can try uh, seven, which is over-the-counter insecticide. But there's been um, it's been used so much on the potato crop that this insect has developed some resistance. So this is a situation I don't have a good uh, chemical control for you. Uh, You're going to just have to pick. I would say this: uh, rotate out of the area. If you you might even let them go a year if you really have a very high population of. Uh, potato beetle, and to the point where they will chew not only your potato crop down, they'll certainly take eggplant down. Um, I've seen them this year take tomatoes down. They, you know, they're all solanaceae. These are all kissing cousins, these plants, and and the Colorado potato beetle does like them all, but it has a preference in this order. I would say eggplant, uh, potatoes, and then lastly tomatoes. But they can even strip tomato plants down. So. You might want to rotate and, and let the potato grow, crop go for a year if you can't get them under control any other way. Uh, I know that's what you didn't want to hear, but uh, I'm struggling as well with the potato bug this year, so yeah. that's one of those things. Great crop potatoes, of course, we're beginning to bring some new potatoes in. Uh, if you can tolerate, and we have to tolerate some damage, uh, you're not, it's going to impact your yield, but as long as you got a green plant up there, uh, we can still get good production. But. Try to control them by picking, or you can try some of these over the uh, material that you can buy, and, and you may have luck, particularly in a remote area where this resistance uh, may not have occurred.
0: Hire the neighbor kids Thank to you. help you out. Yeah, Hire the
1: neighbor kids. I wish <laughs> I had you. a better solution
0: <laughs> for you. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. What do you do with them once you pick them off? I suppose you don't want them put them in a jar and...
1: Well, I, I eliminate them, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> is, there,
0: is, there is there a humane to, way eliminate to eliminate your potato bugs? Pardon me? Is there a humane way to l- eliminate your potato bugs? Well, I hope the Society <laughs> of uh, Prevention for Cruelty potato bugs and yeah. those things. So I don't All know right. any humane way. <laughs> I'd just like to get rid of them.
1: All right. Uh, Sounds good. You can, uh, you know, we have the same thing with uh, the fruit. I mentioned the spider wings or People ask what do I do with the mm. fruit that I pick up off the ground. We throw them in a plastic bag, let them sit in the, sit in the sun, and they uh-huh. get eliminated uh, that way uh, with solarization. But oh. uh, I think um, you know. there's one other thing people might consider if they plant uh, potatoes, and we don't know, we might have an open winter, and when we get open winter, no snow early, then we get frost penetration. that kills a lot of these, these uh, bugs. Incidentally, they're called Colorado potato beetle. Uh, they don't have them in Colorado. This is what shocked me, <laughs> because I actually made a trip out to an organic farm to see how they were controlling them, and they said, well, we don't have Colorado potato beetles in our major production areas in Colorado mainly because they're up on these plateaus in the mountain ranges, and they've got uh, cold penetration and no snow. So um, they get cold penetration. So I've gone to actually trying to remove some of the snow cover from a smaller areas. There's yeah. snow blowing the drive, snow blow the potato patch as well. And that's uh, people think I'm nuts, but that's what I've <laughs> done just to, keep, just to keep it open so we get good uh, frost penetration down into the ground.
0: Yeah, you don't want that frost penetration in some spots, but in other spots you do.
1: Yeah, if you're rural, you don't certainly don't want near septic system, right. but
0: nonetheless,
1: <laughs> right. uh, uh, or any of the bulbs you might have planted, and in bulbs, yeah. absolutely. So we want, we love that snow cover early. Except in this particular case, any insect uh, that uh, overwinters its uh, its life cycle down in the soil, you get that snow early, and there's very little mortality, and mm. we can anticipate. We've had a couple years in a row, so populations, like with Colorado potato beetle, tend to build uh, very dramatically over a couple of seasons.
0: All right, Bob, we'll take another break. 952, this is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. Well, Bob, it's uh, the final portion of the Bob Olin Show underway. Again, if uh, maybe you uh, don't have the room to do a garden, you can certainly get homegrown product at the farmer's markets both tomorrow and Saturday.
1: Absolutely, and uh, uh, the product now is really beginning to come in, Mm -hmm. so the benefits of this wonderful season, you're going to begin to see that as we move. We are far north, so people always look for... uh, Warm seed crops, melons, corn, tomatoes uh, early, and that takes a little longer. But those crops, at least the tomatoes, uh, some of our growers are beginning to bring a few in, so wow. that's good. Green beans are beginning to come in, a few others. So uh, it, the dishes uh, the, the are beginning to fill up and uh, starting tomorrow and then on Saturday. Uh, great activity, and it's just a fun place, very wholesome place. Uh, great environment we've had, uh, and I will just mention, this carefully but we've had others that wanted to bring in uh got a big craft beer industry and boy i tell you being on the board i was opposed to that <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of venues for that so you can feel free you can bring your kids in there and see just good wholesome a lot of good wholesome uh, product that's there uh for uh for families so we're trying to really go down that route and uh mm-hmm. you know I, I just uh dave back to this gardening thing a little bit where people are out in the sunshine i'm a big believer that uh You know, we got to get away from the screens, so get out there, get out there in the sunlight, a beautiful day like this. Uh, Obviously, this is how we evolved uh, as humans, uh, being outside most of the time in this kind of artificial environment that we're all in now with a lot of screen time and other things, so we have to make a real conscious effort to get out there to eat better. So grow your own, uh, harvest your own, buy from the local farmers' markets, and... uh, Certainly, all these things are going to contribute to both uh, physical and mental health. I'm a big believer in both of those yeah. and uh, gardening and outdoor activities are certainly going to be contributing to your good health overall
0: well if you're outside one of the screens you should remember is sunscreens <laughs> <Because> absolutely you <laughs> be conscious of that no doubt uh, especially us like, fair skinned folks yes, some of us
1: northern apes as a matter mm-hmm. of fact uh, People laugh. I always have typically a long-sleeve shirt <laughs> right. on, even when it's 90 degrees, because I stay away from a little bit of that sun. I'm out there quite a bit. But that sunscreen, Dave, uh, very good reminders, even on uh, a little later in the season here, when you mm. don't think that sun's bright. It certainly oh, can yeah. be. Yeah. So Farmer's Market, Wednesday afternoon, Tuesday, uh, 2 to 5 in the afternoon. Great time to shop, because there's not as many people. Saturday is fun time. 8 till noon, uh, 14th Avenue, and 3rd Th- Street, Duluth Farm Market. And uh, great community place, uh, lots of fun down there for sure. All
0: right, Bob, we are got to wrap it up for uh, this week. I know we got another caller just coming in. Maybe save that question until next Tuesday when we'll oh, do this geez. again, okay?
1: Uh, real fine, Dave. Thank you. And check your apple tree for fun,
0: boys. <laughs> I will do that, and I'll start <laughs> pruning if need be. a boy. All right. Stay tuned. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center. Located in Dan's Feedback in Superior. And by WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig.